Here's to health. Here's to health. Here's to health. Hello and welcome to CPOP's new monthly podcast. We ask people committed to their communities across Oregon what drives and inspires them in their work. Here's to health. This is Ruby Graven, Regional Outreach Coordinator, supporting the North Coast in Washington County. Today I have with me Deanna Nino, and we are going to go ahead and check in and talk a little bit about how things have gone for you. It's been what, how many months again? 15, did you say? Yeah, almost, uh, yeah, like a year and three months, four months. So 16, 16 months. <laughs> Here we are over a year later, and I feel like you've come a long way, and we've learned so much from you. So tell me, tell me your story. What brought you to the work that you do today? Well, the, the short answer is that at some point in my life, I wanted to do more meaningful work. And that doesn't mean that I wanted to necessarily be selfless or save the world, but just I was a fine dining server for 13 years. And I was very good at it. I made very good money. But I was also becoming incredibly cynical. Once I was not working, it's like I don't want to see anybody. And I figured, you know, I'm too young to be like that. Like, that's not healthy. That shouldn't be normal. And what could I do with my everyday life that makes me feel that I'm doing something more meaningful than just serving people who have money? But uh, I found incredible, incredible beauty in restaurants. I actually went to school for film and TV. Uh, I have a bachelor's degree in visual arts with a filmmaking major. And I love film and TV, but uh, I quickly realized that I didn't want to work in that industry. And so I went into restaurants just because I knew that I could make good money there. I was living in New York City, and I fell in love with it. I fell in love with how beautiful it was how intense, how fun, uh, the teamwork, it was very exhilarating and very good money. And I enjoyed it very much. Then I wanted to become a sommelier and specialize in wines. And I got pretty ahead on that, but I didn't like the world of sommeliers either. And so <laughs> I stayed as a server. And then I moved to the North Coast. I moved to Oregon and yeah, after I decided that I didn't want to work in restaurants anymore, my boyfriend uh, kind of mentioned, you speak both languages well, and there's not a lot of people that can do that here. So when I was living in New York City, when where so many people know multiple languages, I guess I wasn't aware that that was a big, as big an asset as it was. So I realized, okay, yeah, I guess you're right. I can use my two languages, English, English and Spanish. And I went to the Lower Columbia Hispanic Council. I knew of them. I had never been there, but I figured maybe they know where I can find a job uh, that requires English and Spanish. So when I went there and I asked, they said, here, we need someone here. You should work for us. We're going to have an opening in about a couple of months. Uh, just contact Jorge, our executive director, and that's how it happened. So I just wanted a job. It was not like I was looking into getting into the health world, but it happened, and I'm so happy I did because 
I love my job. I love, I never ever dread going to work. Even if it's a long day, even if I have to drive three hours to a meeting, I'm so happy. So I think, you know, from hearing you tell your story, what I really appreciate is the fact that you looked at this in a creative way and you figured out how to apply what you've learned in other industries into the world of health coverage. Like typically that's such a dry topic. You don't really have a lot of people sitting around and talking about the excitement of health insurance or health <laughs> coverage or how to navigate that world. But the fact that you took what you had learned through your own experiences and said to yourself, like, here's what I can do to make this an exciting product that I'm delivering as if I was delivering it in a restaurant, I really admire that. Thank and you. Um, I think that's awesome. So tell me something about the cultural adaptation you had to go through moving from another country and then eventually to Oregon. How has that helped you help other people? Well, I'm originally from Colombia in South America, and I'm from the capital, from Bogota. So even though I grew up in a city of 8 million people and you know it's a capital city so it's fairly modern but it's still the third world it's a third world country and that just means that there's a set of priorities and a set of uh, cultural codes that are very different than the U.S. so there's for example like a distrust of public entities like people don't really believe in the government that much or just in general, there's other cultural things that are very different. So um, I moved from Colombia to New York City. There were so many different priorities that people had. Uh, people behaved differently. People uh, had other set of problems. It was amazing to be in close contact with people from all over the world. And that was very humbling and very challenging in kind of realizing I need to at least have some basic knowledge of people and where they're from and their religions and their set of beliefs just because I wanted to not be disrespectful and not generalize. And it was pretty cool that growing up watching TV, there's all of these stereotypes that are set about people from different countries and different regions of the U.S. and kind of being challenged in that way as a, you know, you know first contact, that was really cool. And that still helps me today to kind of realize, you know, the world is huge and everybody just has a different way of they, how they think and how they were brought up. So that was really cool. But then also kind of like that process of me adapting and learning and my English got way better as I started uh, really interacting with people and as a server, that, that was a really good byproduct. <laughs> But then kind of like not forgetting how that felt like, what it felt like when people gave me directions, assuming that I knew where I was going or that I understood what they were saying and I had no idea. And because I didn't want to call attention to myself or I didn't want to seem like I didn't understand, I wouldn't ask. And it became very obvious, like, yeah, humans don't usually, we don't ask for help unless we really need it. We don't say we don't understand unless we really need to understand, but we often just kind of, okay, thank you, okay, thank you, and then try to figure it out on our own, and we often don't do the best job of figuring out on our own. So 
I always try to remember what that feels like, to come from scratch, from not knowing anything, and trying to understand something that the person talking to me knows really well. And so in now that I help other people navigate, like you said, a system that is so complex and so big, and it has so many different parts and organizations, I try to simplify it as much as I can to someone that even if they've had OHP for years and years, it doesn't mean that they understand what it means to have OHP or what services they have or why something is asked on an application. And I try to just make it as easy as possible for them to understand. And then uh, from New York, I moved to Oregon looking for a more quiet life, higher quality of life. And um, what I had to learn, my cultural adaptation is I had to slow down, learn how to slow down, learn how to enjoy um, things that I didn't have time for when you live in a huge city. So my cultural adaptation to Oregon has been amazing. <laughs> I love it here. I love all the green and the mountains and the animals. I've been here uh, almost four years now and I consider it my home. I love Oregon. That is amazing. So, I mean, as I said before, here you are a year and a half <laughs> into it. Um, and, you know, you've figured out all these different ways to apply the work you've been doing before. Do you, do you feel like you've found your place? For now, for a while. Yeah, <laughs> I do love it. There's so much to do. So that excites me that it's not like I'm just going into something that's already built and done, but it feels great to like, yeah, we can still, we can still create a lot of things and build a lot of things. And that, that makes me super happy. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for a while. <laughs> yeah, I actually think a lot of our community partners are a part of this really exciting journey with us. We've been building this program, you know, mm -hmm. when it first started, it was only like 70 sisters and here we are i mean as of april i think we have maybe like a little over 1200 sisters it changes wow. it ebbs and flows but i mean it's pretty incredible to see how much our program has evolved with the collaboration of our partners well thank you so much for being here with me today to get up close and personal <laughs> on the subjects that involve um, how how you got here today and, and what brings you to this work really appreciate it and I hope that other people can you know be inspired or think about what motivates them and what is it that drives you to get up each and every single day and create an experience for Oregonians so thank you so much for having me and thank you so much for um, inviting me to talk about my my life and my story and my work it's, uh, it feels really good. <laughs> but also, thank you for everyone who's been listening. And, you know, if you're still listening, I hope you have a great day. And we're all part of the same team, even though we don't know each other. And, you know, there's so many of us all across the state. But it's a pleasure to work together. So thank you. Thank you, everyone. 2019 is a special year for CPOP. The Community Partner Outreach Program is 10 years old. On May 10th, we held an appreciation celebration for our treasured community partners. The following are four short stories shared by RCPs. 
is Colin Sanders. I'm a benefits navigator at Cascade AIDS Project. I've been there for about two years now. We're contracted to serve Multnomah, Clackamas, and Washington counties, but I've served folks from as far away as the Chute and Klamath counties as well. While I'm up here, I want to take the chance to thank some of the folks that helped me along the way. First, thanks to Kelly Volkman, who was my undergraduate internship uh, coordinator and helped me and supported me developing Me developing a health coverage education curriculum for new users of Oregon Health Plan. Shortly after graduating, I met Josie Silverman, who introduced me to some folks at Family Care and Project Access Now, who gave me my first job in public health. And then, of course, thanks to the Rocks, especially John, Deanna, and Marina, uh, who help all of us in the work that we do. What I enjoy most about this work is helping folks navigate a system that seems too complex for them to navigate on their own. I love hearing from folks after we meet that it was way easier than I thought it was going to be. We take care of it in a 20-minute conversation, and then it's done. They have OHP. It's great. And I hope one day that our system is simple enough that no one needs a navigator to navigate our system. And I hope one day I can help build that system and work myself out of a job. <laughs> in my work at CAP, one of the largest and oldest aid service organizations in Oregon, I help many types of people. Some that are new to Oregon, HIV positive, and running out of their life-saving medication. When they come into my office, they're feeling hopeless. I'm able to help them access medical care almost instantly, and this wouldn't be possible without our entire team of dedicated staff at CAP. Without the work that we do, our communities would be much worse off. Uh, far fewer people would be enrolled in coverage, and those that were enrolled would be more likely to lose coverage due to not responding to their RFIs or having mail returned even though it went to the right address and it was just too big to fit in the slot. Those are the sorts of things that we need to do still. Um, and the processing centers that would be inundated with people making phone calls that we could solve in five minutes just by checking MMIS to see if they're currently active or what CCO they're in. And I'm so grateful for the work that we all do and the work of the CPOP team does to support us. I think Oregon has one of the strongest Medicaid systems in the nation, and a large part of that is the use of our community navigators. Thank you. My name is Harumi Concepcion. Please call me Umi. Monica said it's okay. If you don't mind, I'm going to take a quick picture of the view. <laughs> Otherwise, nobody's going to believe that I did this. <laughs> Hi, I'm Umi, and I'm a health navigator with Benton County Health Department. My team is right over here, and I'm co-placed at Garfield Elementary School. I've been a part of the team for a little less than two years and been at Garfield for a little over a year. We serve primarily Benton and Lynn counties, though we do get some folks from other counties who hear about us and want to have a health navigator assist them. So that's really fun. Uh, the part I enjoy most about my work is connecting people to different resources and services, including OHP, so that they can get the health care and other needs that they need. The story that I'm going to share with you folks today starts last September when my school team learned that a kinder age child wasn't enrolled in school yet. And this was really unusual because this child has two older siblings that are in school. So upon further investigation, we learned that not only was the child not in school, but the family didn't have health insurance, no stable income, no stable housing, and no one had gone to see a doctor or a dentist in several years. So after a month of attempting to meet with the parents, calling, having appointments approved and then canceled, and then family disappearing on us, we were finally able to go to the home that they were sharing with other people to visit with mom to apply for OHP with my coworker Viviana, who's right there. 
The mom met us outside of the house and sat on the front step while we set up the laptop on this dusty barbecue, I think, thing in the driveway. Not really sure what it was. I'm guessing it's a barbecue. I ended up sitting on the step next to mom and explained and occasionally joked about some of the questions while Vienna asked them and filled in the answers. At first, mom was very jumpy and almost seemed scared to do the application. But after several minutes of us calmly explaining it and assuring her that none of her answers were wrong or bad or anything else that she might think that they could be, she relaxed and she even laughed at some of my cornier jokes. Of course, by the end of it, the whole family qualified for OHP. Yay! After they received OHP, things started moving really fast. We enrolled the child in school, we got her her vaccination appointment scheduled, and after a couple of tries, actually got her in to get her vaccinations. And by now, all of the children have seen the dentist, and they have follow-up appointments coming. I've personally transported the family to several of these appointments, as mom is still really nervous about the OHB system, and won't use the ride line service at all. And that's okay with me, because as we all know, that helps to build trust, which is the backbone of our community partner service. We've additionally connected the family to food, hygiene, and clothing resources, getting shoes, and are currently working on convincing mom to establish care with a doctor and dentist for herself and her spouse, and get some of those preventative services going to help build and create the healthiest family that we can for these folks. Now, this story isn't just my story. It took a whole team of people working together to get our foot on that doorstep that day. This story is only one of the many that we can all relate to. This story took us months to get to, and it's still going. On days when the job gets too hard, or too frustrating, or too heartbreaking, I remember this experience, and I tell myself that. That child is why I'm a health navigator. Mm -hmm. That was a huge win. If you imagine life for our communities as a road, yes, I'm gonna get a little corny here. When there's no community of sisters around, that road can be made of dirt. It can be dusty, or in Oregon, it's muddy, or rocky, and it's full of potholes. And people can still travel on it, of course, but it isn't fun, and it isn't easy. As sisters like us help to pave that road. We make it smoother and a little safer, and certainly easier to travel on. We post signs to help guide people to their destination. Sometimes we even plant fences along the edges to help keep people on the right track. And most importantly, we walk along that road with the community. My name is Umi. I'd like to thank my team, Kelly Volkman as well, for agreeing to give me this awesome job. And thank you all so much for letting me share my experience with you today. And thank you for your hard work. Hi, my name's Hannah, and I'm an OHP assister at Oregon State University Cascades. We're a newly built campus in Bend, Oregon. My position at OSU looks similar to a community health workers. The idea behind it is to help students find health services in our community, as our campus doesn't have a health center and probably won't for quite a few years. Many students were opting not to receive the care they needed unless their condition was severe enough or warranted urgency. I brought this concern to our Health Advisory Council, which provides guidance for health and wellness services on our campus at OSU Cascades, and someone suggested becoming an OHP assister. 
This was the first time that I had heard of that. Uh, that was a game changer and increased my ability to help students immensely. 43% of our student body population are Pell Grant eligible, which indicates a need for financial assistance. So quite a few would be eligibility guidelines for OHP. Informing students about health insurance, including OHP, has been a large part of my job. And the support I received from my regional outreach coordinator, Maria Waters, has been instrumental in my own ability to provide assistance. She's helped me better understand the system, nuances in the system, and has been an invaluable lifeline in helping me figure out complex cases. Being an OHP assister has made a big difference for many of our students, and it's a large addition to the campus culture of wellness that we're trying to create at OSU Cascades. I'm going to tell one student's story who's been impacted by OHP, but I will keep their identity confidential. This particular student broke their leg and they didn't have health insurance. They went into the hospital and came out with a pretty large bill and they were on payment plans for this bill. So the student was going to school full time and working part time. Um, their finances were pretty tight. I saw the student on campus and they were talking about how stressed out they were because of the accident. Um, they were searching for a second job to take care of the medical bills that they couldn't pay. I told them about Oregon Health Plan and asked if they'd like to apply. Uh, we applied together and the student was accepted and we were able to get the bills from their broken leg paid back retroactively. This was a huge relief for this student and will have a lasting impact on their academic career, yet financial future, and health, long-term health. I like this story because it exemplifies how powerful of a tool that OHP is. Um, at a university level, OHP can and is being utilized to reduce systemic oppression of low-income socioeconomic individuals. Uh, that's pretty incredible. I'd like to say one more thing. Um, I speak for our sisters in my region and probably most of us here when I say that this position isn't just about helping people obtain health insurance and traditional health services. It's about helping people navigate barriers in their own lives. Whether that means giving people a safe place to cry when they find out they have cancer, helping people find immediate housing, or coordinating food assistance for families. This is not what I expected when I signed up to become an OHP assister, but I'm honored to do it because I see the value in it. The support that we're able to provide to people in our own communities is extraordinary, and I'm really thankful to be able to play a small part in this. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Enedina Lopez Paz, and I work for Interface Network, and there's my team. And um, we serve mainly Marion and Polk counties, and as well as other sisters have said, we serve surrounding areas where they call us. We never reject anybody, regardless of how far or near they are. And I've been an OHP assister for about a year and five months now. I started with um, Soisano, so from there I continued. <laughs> yeah. uh, what I enjoy the most about being working as an assister is um, being able to help and educate uh, my community about Medicaid, especially educating the most vulnerable population, clients who are non-literate in English and Spanish. 
I constantly uh, see clients who come to us frustrated. They're like, I don't know what to do. Like, thank you so much for being there out in the community for helping us. As my uh, previous um, colleagues here are saying, it is, yeah, we are building, guiding them to the right path to be able to help them have that care that they need. So what will my community be without a sisters like me, without a sisters like me or my fellow coworkers? Federico Corso, Cesar Trejo, big shout out to them, and uh, to Jose. will be in greater need of assistance. We are out in our community outreaching and educating our community about OHP. We have clients thanking us for being there, assisting them. They tell us uh, it makes the process a lot easier for them and that they have OHP because of all of us. And um, I followed, for me, I've learned empathy is a model I follow and keep in mind. I treat my clients the way I would like to be treated as a customer asking for help. When you treat a client with respect, con respeto, they feel welcome and more willing to come back and make referrals. Many times our clients end up asking us uh, for other resources, for example, uh, where to find a divorce lawyer, a mental health counselor, a wheelchair, or help with filling out an apartment application. Our clients have many needs, and especially, like I said, the most vulnerable populations are those who don't know English, or many don't even know Spanish because all they know is their native language. So thanks to everyone here and all of us for our hard work that we do out in our community. We're not only doing OHP application and say, nope, this is all I do, go somewhere else, no. We take the time, if we're not able to uh, help them, we give them other resources that are available to them because we are like a box filled with resources, like the internet, that's what we are. Because uh, we, uh, like I said, we have network and have many connections. Like if I don't know the answer, maybe my other coworker knows it, maybe somebody else, but we do help them and guide them to find the answer that they need. And thank you. Hello, Maria here. In the spirit of 10 years of taking care of others and making sure that they have what they need, here are 10 self-care tips for making sure you're taken care of. Number 10, sleep. Number nine, soak. Number eight, appreciate. Number seven, disconnect. Number six, create. Number five, notice. Number four, laugh. Number three, nourish. Number two, move. And number one, breathe. Have an idea for the podcast? Want to share your story? Reach out to us at community.outreach at state.or.us.